All right, it's the Chance of Gaming podcast, episode 37. And with me... 37? Is, yeah, 30, in a row. We've done wow. 37 episodes in a row. Try not to do any episodes on the way through the parking lot. <laughs> Damn it, I can't believe I forgot that. I didn't even realize that joke till you said it. Oh, all right. Oh, anyway, I, I hate, you know... Richard, That's from Clerks, kids. Yes, yes. <laughs> Look, kids, this was back in the day when Kevin Smith was fat. And didn't yep. have a kid, and didn't have a kid, and well, wasn't so so big into weed. Yes, that's true. It was it was no there were no weed, no kids, and he was, you know, not like super overweight, but he he was fat. He considered himself fat, mm-hmm. and um, he like I think what made him look bigger than what he actually was was wearing him. those jorts. Yes, yes. He he called them and pillow, the hockey jersey pill, pillow pants, and <laughs> yep. it it basically makes. Like his legs look like pillows, you know, and, which is weird because he has these, like these normal sized calves sticking out the bottom, and they're not even really jorts; they're more like capris. They go down that far, <laughs> and these huge hockey jerseys, and he got to put a jacket on over that. You know, I've like been a, there, like a, a man move. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been there as a kid when I had you know some real bad body issues. I thought I was really overweight, and so you know I was wearing like bigger, you know. Uh, shirts than I should have and like jackets and all that stuff which is terrible here in Mississippi um, because it's you know hot as hell in fact with our weather report uh, how is it going in Michigan Roy Uh, well it was a pretty decent today we're kind of I don't know it's not the snow isn't flying yet but I mean it's it's definitely taking a little bit of a cool bent but you know we still have days that are in the you know mid 80s so, uh, I don't know. For us, uh, 103 today. Damn. And All right. it hasn't rained in so long, it actually looks like fall because the grass is dying and the uh, the leaves on the trees are crumbling off and falling. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's like this is the fake fall you get in Mississippi when it just doesn't rain for a long time and mm-hmm. everything just dies. Okay. From heat. So they've uh, they've they've closed up the pool around here. So I mean, it's you know we're we're kind of shifting into that fall mindset. You know, the leaves are starting to come off the trees, and um, but it, you know it's still pretty much summer. Yeah, which is you know they always got to shut down like pools, you know, for because yeah. kids yeah. go back to school and whatnot. Even here in those hottest balls, I think they they open. It was it like Memorial Day to Labor Day, something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would actually have ended like last week. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, kids. You know, I'm sure you know Tom Vassell doesn't talk about you know pools and temperature and stuff. You know, that's or, why. Or that's probably why you, not Kevin Smith either. Yeah, that's why you tune in to hear. Which reminds me, apparently it's been brought to my attention there is some problems with episode 36. So those of you listening now may not have even known there was an episode 36. So I'm gonna fix that tomorrow when I do this one, and um, yeah, you and, get a twofer. Uh, yeah, a twofer maybe. There you go. It'll work for that. So uh, anyway, we always kind of start out the show with like, what are you playing? And Roy is gonna tell us all about what he's playing. So I played a little card game called Guild Hall. Have you heard of Guild Hall? Uh, no, I don't think so. So, the there's several different iterations of it, and I played Guildhall Fantasy Fellowship. So, uh, in all versions of Guildhall, pretty much all the different uh, games are the same. They just kind of change the skin a little bit. 
so um, you have there's uh, maybe six different characters in five suits by color. And uh, so it, you, if you're hand a card, you lay down, say, like the dancer. The dancer gives you some little bit of uh, special ability. And then if you basically you have these there and you sort them by color. So you have like the assassin, the dancer, the um, farmer. And I'm, think, I'm, I'm speaking in terms of just kind of regular guild hall has those different characters in it. And you lay them down in front of you, and then the special ability will say, okay, when I lay down a card, I can look at somebody else's guild hall, and I can trade back and forth with them and take some of their cards and maybe give them some of mine or steal some of their cards outright. And once I get a set of all five colors of, say, the farmer, then I can turn that in, and that's a guild, or it's a it's a completed guild. And... Um, then I can turn in completed guilds for victory point cards. So it's a it's a four-player card game where you're laying down um, cards that will let you do various things on your turn. Uh, and so it's kind of a wheeler-dealer where you're stealing cards from people and giving them cards back. So, uh, yeah, guild hall. So I went to look and see who publishes this, and it, it's published by Alderac Entertainment Group, AEG. Uh, yep. But but what caught my eye is the artist. The artist is Gunship Revolution. I know that's like an actual like uh, publishing thing, you know, whatever. But I'm gonna pretend in my head canon is it's a person named Gunship Re- Revolution, <laughs> and he's like my favorite board game artist of all. No, it's it's she. She is my favorite board game artist ever because her parents were really original. In how they named her. Her name is Gunship Revolution. Dadgummit, I should have named. So, my do you imagine that. what sort of what sort of woman do you do you envision named Gunship Revolution? Um, I don't know. She could honestly be. She could completely run the gambit. She could be, you know, the quiet, demure. You would never ever guess her name was Gunship Revolution, and she was a board game artist, or. She could be kind of like, you know, uh, heavily tattooed, you know, pierced kind of like punk girl with, you know, head tattoos or facial tattoos or whatever, you know. Either one of those. I think anywhere in there could be Gunship Revolution. That could be that. See, I I imagine somebody very tall and very Aryan. Blonde hair, you know, uh, in pigtails. And, uh, you know, about maybe 5'10". Pretty tall woman. So kind of Swedish kind of yeah. Kind of there thing. you go. Yeah, because you uh-huh. know, gunship is kind of like Gunther. You know, yep. yeah, I could see that. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Gun- so, gunship yeah. revolution. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would say I would say we should we should interview them uh, and on there. But I'm the fucking worst at that. I am. I have the worst when I when I'm like, hey, you know, are you available for an interview? And they're like, yeah, sure. When would you like to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me see when Richard's available. And you know, and it just doesn't happen. And I feel terrible. I do. I feel terrible. <laughs> anyway, enough of just self pity. We'll move on to the very next thing that you so, played. Uh, <clears throat> I played uh, the Princes of Machu Picchu, which I've played this once before, and I don't, I didn't really remember it as well then. But you, um, you have basically it's a layout of the city of Machu Picchu, and you move from various districts, uh, and over the course of a day. And so if you go into the central plaza, then you can trade. So you're trading for shirts and pottery 
and llamas and coca. Uh, those are the some of the commodities that you can trade back and forth. And, um, you know, it's kind of a standard, um, I guess, I, I don't know if I'd call it worker placement, but you're collecting uh, commodities that you then turn in for cards. And uh, so, like, you can, if you sacrifice a llama, it gives you some, some you know, bit of points. Or if you, um, there's another track where you climb up the mountain. Like, there's the, you sacrifice at the top of the mountain or something. And uh, if you can get to the, you, you can run this track up the mountain several times. Each time you get to the top, you get a card that will give you a scoring at the end. Um, so it's, um, and each day, as it progresses along, the Spaniards get a little bit closer. So that's the game end is when the Spaniards show up. Or if uh, you exhaust all the cards on the, on the, uh, uh, on the board. So there's, if you, um, if you exhaust all the cards, then that's, I believe it's called rescue. And you've um, evacuated Machu Picchu before the Spaniards get there. If the Spaniards get there, all they care about is gold. And so the um, number of, each card that you have has a certain amount of gold on it, and you tally it up. Whoever has the most gold gets triple victory points, and then the second gets double victory points, and then the third gets you know just straight victory points. Um, and so there's there's kind of two different ways that it can end based on if if people are moving and buying cards, or if they kind of laze around and then let the Spaniards show up. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting game. I will probably play that again. Um, now, would you say it has more llamas or more human sacrifice? Uh, there's a big pile of llamas. Okay. And so, like, um, when one player lands on a particular district of the city, every other person can spend llamas to uh, go up on that on that sacrifice track. So it kind of goes back and forth between the two as far as, like, you use the llamas to... Um, to make the sacrifices. Um, so there's, uh, there's three or four different temples that are in the city. So like, if you go to the, to the sun temple, then all of your sun temple cards make the guy run up the, up the hillside. Um, based on if you have enough llamas to spend for him. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of a weird game. I'm not doing it really justice. Um, but anyway, it was interesting. So that's uh, the Princes of Machu Picchu, and that is, I don't know who published that. Princess of Machu Picchu, it was not anybody that cool, oh. but, you know, Rio Grande. Rio Grande, there we go. But, and they just, their their artist is Oliver Grote, so, you know, not not as cool, but, you know, I'm sure he, he <laughs> I'm sure Oliver's cool and all, you know, but, yeah. Anyway. But he's, he's not a, a six-foot-tall, you know, no, Nordic no, no. woman. Yes, and Gun then sh- uh, gunship revolution. Not so. No. See, and then Richard I... doesn't show up, and we invent a new character. You know, there you go. That's, <laughs> he'll he'll learn. He'll learn. He says he's sick, folks, but I don't know if I believe him. So uh, then I played uh, Letter Tycoon, which I've talked about this game before. Uh, it's 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 a word making game. So there's um, uh, the letters of the alphabet are laid out on the table. And you can each so like the A. There's A is pretty common in uh, in English. So if you have the A, it will cost you like eight dollars to buy that. And then anytime somebody else uses an A, 
then you can um, get a dollar because they for every instance of the A that was in their their letter or in their word. And so, like uh, at one point during the game, I had the G and the S, and another player played the word glossy. So that I made bank on that that uh, that turn of this other player. And so, like there's there's three cards in you have seven cards in hand and there's three on the table. And so as you um, play, you use the cards out of your hand and you have the option of using cards that are on the table. And so like, let's say that your word is glossy, then that will give you say $5 that you can, and you can collect this is they're in poker chips, the, um, the money. So like for the $5, you can buy any of the letters that are in glossy. And so like uh, for, um, for rare words like the Z, there's they only there's only two Z cards in the deck, so the Z card's pretty cheap, but it gives you a special ability, which I believe for the Z is that you can add an S to any of your words, I think something like that. Um, but anyway, it's it's a fun little um, uh, word game, and that's called uh, Letter Tycoon, which is I guess there's some expansions to it, which I had not realized until uh, I'm sorry, yeah. I am familiar with people playing that one. Um, I've, I, at least I've heard them like locally, you know, play it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's it's pretty well thought of. I believe is is about my only contribution to it. it. It is interesting to hear you talk about it. Like it sounds like some kind of bizarre amalgamation of uh, Wheel of Fortune and Scrabble, you know, mm. sort sort of thing. But yeah. So, like, you know, and do you uh, when you buy a letter, you essentially have a patent on that. So that's how you get paid as other people play it. Ah, okay. So it's it's kind of has a an industrial theme to it. There's uh, some the uh, the art is very blocky and industrial looking. So, not as good as Gunship Revolution. No, not at all. They would, they would never do as good as good as her. Yeah. Now uh, we have a sponsor, and you play. Uh, he invited you to play a game, or you played another game with him. Uh, so yeah, there's a from Ill-Gotten Games. There's a game called Pocket Tactics Fifth Edition, which uh, Mike from Alter Dementia has mentioned that he has a copy of it. That we're gonna, I'll do a, a play test with it. So uh, we'll have a um, a review at some point. But he, he texted me and he said, I, I kind of want to paint these first before I give it to you. So he's going to paint oh, them up. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want to say, um, I thought we've talked about this before, but maybe not. It is a really kind of cool, it's a 3D print and play. And you'll have all this in the mm-hmm. show notes at chanceofgaming.com. Take a look at it. Um, is Yeah, it's a little hex-based, and you've got your own 3D printed meeples, and you kind of move around. And apparently it's up to a, a fifth edition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. And, and so, go ahead. I'm sorry. He was saying that uh, all these pieces will fit into an Altoids tin. Really? So it's it's something you can just you know have on you. It's you know might be a kind of a coffee shop kind of game. Yeah, and I'm I'm seeing uh, at illgottengames.net that uh, he is a licensed printer. So you can head over to alterdementia.com, and we'll have this link in the show notes because it's spelled weird. And uh, you can use the code COG2019 for 20% off your purchase. So I don't know how much that would be. I don't know how that works to get something done on that. I guess you 
It is well, weird because it's like I don't know if you go it to him or them and get it from there. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, the um, Pocket Tactics is a, a, a Creative Commons, so it's it's free to download it. But of course, it'd be a small fee from him to have him print it for you. Yeah, I'll fit something else. But if you have your own 3D printer, you can just do it yourself. That's very true. Yeah, I'm curious to see if you really like it. Yeah, because you could even uh, 3D print a box to like put it in. Seems kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, it's neat. Mm-hmm. Like a little nice little strategy game like that. So, uh, what have I been playing, sort of? Well, you know me. I never hardly ever play anything. But I do buy more things and sell things and look at things and whatnot. So I think I've mentioned before on the show, uh, a year or two ago, I bought a massive, massive collection of 6mm terrain that's painted from a, uh, a guy. He was like, he, he was going to some big historic convention and he had this big box of it. And when I started talking to him about buying stuff, the deal kept getting better until finally it was like, well, just how much for the whole thing? And he's like, oh, really? Uh, and so I got a pretty good deal on it. It also included two painted micro-armor armies that I forgot about until I finally opened this box over the weekend because I'm desperate to try and organize it and try to find a way to store it. Store it. And I am completely overwhelmed by how much stuff is in there. <laughs> it's about um, 60 to 70% World War II stuff. So it's like railroad you know, destroyed factories, chemical stuff, you know, uh, churches that all have that kind of look, that, uh, you know, European, Eastern European type look, including like the, just like a Russian church and whatnot, it looks pretty good. And the rest of it is uh, Napoleonic, like mm-hmm. hedgerows, uh, you know, crappy little farmhouses and, and stuff like that. But still, a lot of that can do, you know, double duty. Did they have trains in the Napoleonic Wars? Surely they did. Some kind of train. I don't know. I'm a bad, bad historian. <laughs> I am. And I like that. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I'll have to ask my friend who's big into train games. Is there a Napoleonic one like where I can shoot at it? I don't know. So it was like looking at that and realizing that I had these micro-armor armies. And the main reason why I got them is like you can play a game on like a one-by-one square. Because, you know, your tank is like the size of your fingernail. You know? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, anybody can paint it. Nobody, if you really want to get insane and actually start putting markings and stuff on that, you can. But most people just do like it's camouflaged or just has two colors on it. It's like it's green and black tracks. There you go. It's done. Mm-hmm. So there are two popular uh, rule choices for me. And one is uh, Rommel, which is from Sam Mufasa. Mustafa. Sam Mustafa. Sam Mustafa. Uh, it's, it's part of his honor series of games. They all kind of play the, play the same, more or less. It is funny, though, when you actually Google Sam Mustafa, the first thing that pops up is some prominent lawyer, like in South Carolina or whatever, that got involved in, like, a fist fight in a diner or something. So you have to keep scrolling down to actually find uh sammustafa.com anyway so, he was he was the uh the the mentor of jackie childs from uh from seinfeld 
Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I guess that's the way it worked. And yeah, I think the guy ended up, you know, so he doesn't sue me because he is a lawyer. I'm pretty sure he was cleared of all charges, but it is like one of the first things that pop up when you Google Sam, Sam Mustafa. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So it's, it's Rommel. And then the other one is an older set of rules that I, I had like two editions ago called um, Blitzkrieg Commander. And Blitzkrieg Commander is based off the uh, Games Workshop um, Warmaster rule set, which is essentially what it is. It's all leadership-based. Like, you'll have a base that counts as a leader. You know, it could be a dude on... It, you know, it could be, like, the size of a quarter, a dude on a horse, or ever how you want to, you know, make it. And it's all about him issuing orders to units near him. And he has to do that with a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. And so if he fails it, you know, you don't your your stuff won't work, your attack won't work, and stuff like that. So it's all leadership-based. It's a pretty tight little rule system. Now, this version, I want to say, is version 3 or 4 for Blitzkrieg Commander. And I know that they released it uh, about a year ago, and everyone hated it. So they immediately apologized, went back and redid it um, and had more people playtest it and then released it again with an apology. You know, everybody that bought one, even if they got a refund on it, they got a free copy of it. And so that was, like, really nice of them to do it. And people seem to like this version. So I'll probably pick that one up because I talked to a friend of mine that I play Flames of War with, and he has a copy of Rommel. He was like, yeah, I don't buy that. I have it, and I'll just bring it over, you know, and we'll, we'll give this a shot. He was like, remember I bought all those um, Soviet micro-armor from you? I'm like, yep, and apparently I had even more here. At least this is painting. <laughs> anyway. So, you probably did not get to listen to episode 36, because I think there's some problems, but anyway, we talked about this great game. You can listen to it after this one. Called Koob. And it really stuck in my mind. Roy turned me on to this. This is this this Viking yard game where you throw sticks at, you know, and you're knocking down people's stuff. Everything Roy said about that was like, I was like, perfect. This sounds awesome. So I finally got around to uh, ordering me a set off Amazon. Now, I will say if you do that, it is very important to, like, read the, the reviews on the different sets on Amazon. Because some of them are made out of pine, mm-hmm. so they break pretty easy. And um, the one you want to look for with the best ratings is rubber wood. And oh. I I did read one. Yeah, you're a woodworker. You know what that is. I well, I did I did <laughs> sure. uh, I did read a a review that the guy was mad because he thought he was buying them and they were made out of rubber. And he would be able to play it indoors. And okay. someone had someone had to comment and go, "No, there's a rubber tree that produces wood." Oh, really? Ergo, okay. Ergo, rubber wood. You know, that's that's what they're made out of. I was imagining like a, there's a stuff that people do their decks out of called treks. It's kind of basically it's mashed up coke bottles and sawdust, um, really? which is what I kind of envisioned rubber wood to be. But huh. Huh. today, today I learned, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I don't know. My wife and I are going to have to, like, measure out in the backyard to see if we have enough room. Because we have a very uneven backyard. Mm -hmm. So if we have enough flat surface. If not, we'll take it to, like, the the local park. Well, the 
the court, as I recall, was maybe like uh, 12, 16 feet wide by, um, you know, 30 feet long. So it's not that not that long. Yeah, but still, my, my backyard is really uh, uneven. Okay. Yeah, it, I have like, um, the back part of it is like this huge like slope that comes from like the back fence like all the way down to the house. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then it, then it just goes off kind of at a slow 5% gradient back to the other side. I don't know, it's mm-hmm. weird. I don't know, I don't think they did a very good job when they um, dumped all this stuff. You know they, you know they clear off the the thing and they dump a bunch of dirt on it and then they're like, boom, let's put a house. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, I don't think they did a good job. So. Well, I'm I'm jazzed to hear that I got you interested in Coob. Yeah, it's it's you know I've been kind of wanting like uh, I've been trying to get the kids forever to play. Um, was it Bocce? Yep. Uh, which is essentially it, it's something about like you know you throw a ball out there and then you're trying to throw your ball closest to that yep. one without without hitting another one yeah well whoever's closest to the the jack is about the size of a billiard ball yeah. and then the bocce balls are bigger and i think whoever gets closest to the jack gets a point or you get however many points that so like if you have two balls that are closer and then a, an opponent's ball is there then you get two points so the most you could ever get would be four if like you're right on, and your opponent sucks. Uh, yeah. And then I believe you played him maybe 12 or 13 points. Okay. So that's bocce. It's Italian horseshoes, essentially. Yeah. I, I've been trying to get the kids into that, and they're just like, or whatever. I just think it's neat. They're nice. They're wooden balls, you know. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see them like at, like, Academy Sports and, you know, Target. You know, they're everywhere you can get a set. Mm-hmm. But my kids were never interested. I think this, with Coob... They'll be interested because we're throwing sticks. Oh, alrighty then. And, and knocking stuff down. Although well, so, one, of the, one of the first things I read was you can't overhand it. Right. Yep. So. So it's kind of a it's a softball throw or bowling, I guess. Right. Um. So up here in the Midwest, we have uh, cornhole. Is that are you familiar with cornhole? Yep. It's it's big down here. Okay. Too. As weird sounding as it was. In fact, my current job, like 12 years ago when I started, they had a league. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, washers, which is... Wait, your... wait. That sounds familiar. Uh... Is is it like horseshoes? Yeah. there's. I think you, you build a little box set of two-by-fours, and then you put some PVC pipe in it standing up. And and bolted on, and then you throw in the washer into the. Yeah, it's like a more portable version of horseshoes, I guess. So, if you can throw it into the pipe, that's so many points. If it just makes it into the box, that's some other points. I don't know. That's some of those right. yard games are a little inane. Well, you want to know what? Look, looking this, this is not what I thought it was. But looking at it, what it absolutely reminds me of is skee ball. Yes. There you go. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that, except, you know, you're not rolling anything toward it. You're just trying to drop it either directly in the hole or the thing. That looks like a pretty fun game, too. Uh, what When you said washers, I immediately thought of, um, uh, you ever see that, this game at, like, bars where it is, there's a hook on the wall, and there is a long piece of string with a circle on the end of it, and you're supposed to swing the, uh the little circle on the string and try to catch it on the hook 
You ever no, seen that? I've never seen that before. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it has a technical name. You know, it may have some weird name like Bobble Shins or something, and I just <laughs> don't know. And but yeah, it. I'll try to find that and put, post it in the show notes. Uh, croquet is another one that you can find sets and stuff everywhere. Oh yeah. But, um, I, I think as kids we just screwed around just hitting it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> there was a a league in one of the fancier neighborhoods um, in the Jackson, Mississippi area where they actually played on people's front lawns. So, ah, I don't know. Whatever. It's it's still... I, the only thing I kind of like about it is, like, you know, you're supposed to... You can hit one ball and not hit yours or vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, yeah, a little bit of skill to it, but, yeah. <laughs> I remember playing croquet once and... and my somebody hit my ball like over the sidewalk which was a raised you know it was like a two inch high sidewalk over the top of that and then down the hill (laughs) and like i'm never gonna get it back up here right yeah it's like i'm I'm gonna hit it on the asphalt and it shatters the uh (laughs) the the little hammer yeah you know you got on it yeah yeah that's the only i remember people like getting in fights with the hammers and hitting other people and all that (laughs) stuff i don't remember anybody actually playing the stupid game you know just whatever Anyway. All right. Ah, what do we have? Oh yeah, the only other thing I got, I got my Arena Rex stuff back from the painter, and I uh, posted the pictures of it on Twitter, and the, like the six millimeter stuff too. Um, it's, I mean, he did a really good job, and it looks really neat. I actually bought a Playmobil uh, Roman Coliseum because it's, oh, those it's are the, cool. It's the same scale. Yeah, and. Uh, you could play this game in it, and uh, I hope to eventually one day do that. But and Arena Rex is done by some guys in Texas, and I know I was saying earlier what a flake I was when it comes to interviews, but I can't even get like an email back from these guys. It's like I'm like you know, hey, I, you know, I just discovered this game. I, I'd love to, you know, talk to you about it or whatever, and just I don't know. So there you go. So do you have the naked dude? Oh, no, no, no. No, I don't. Because when I got it, uh, that's right. That's how we discovered this game. They had the naked guy. <laughs> and um, I think uh, the girl is topless, though, uh, on one of those. But I'm not sure. But, yeah, 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 I forgot about the naked guy. Yeah, we, we covered that and talked about that. Like, well, okay. I mean, just like, what was it like to, you know, I want to interview the sculptor. So you were sculpting a 32-millimeter scale penis. What was that like? <laughs> You know, did you have to look up reference? You know, how did that work? You know, well, you, yeah, you you thought sculpting it was awkward. Have you know, imagine being the model. That's true. Yeah, and like, <laughs> how much did they pay you to sculpt thirty-two millimeter scale testicles? I'm just wondering. <laughs> what what's the going rate for that? I mean, a job's a job. You know, there's no yeah, shame well. in it. Yeah, I'm just just curious. It what? Yeah, how does that work? That's like uh, you know, that stupid uh, Red Dead Redemption. Two, the video mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Uh, they it was an actual news article, and I'll try to find it, post it in the show notes. That they did horse testicle physics. Oh, yep. In, I do remember game. that. And that's what I was saying. I was like, who was the designer for that? I would have that at the top of my resume. <laughs> I'd be going to cons, signing autographs, signing pictures of horse testicles. You know, it's like, hey, I'm Adam Chance. I, you know, am really good with horse testicle physics and translating that into a PlayStation 4 game. And, uh, yes, I think, yeah, come 
come, yeah, buy buy an eight by ten of horse testicles. I'll sign it. <laughs> That's what I do. But anyway, uh, on to what's on your radar. Well, why and, stop at horse yeah. testicles? So you could yeah. just you could go the full gamut of uh, of mammal testes. You go to bull <laughs> testicles and. Well, see, I want I want to specialize in equine. Equine okay. uh, genitalia. That's All right. what I'm going to specialize in. in Moose? Only, only the physics of it. Okay. All right. Because somebody else is going to have to, like, do the, like, the coloring and the shading and, like, you know, all that. And, and, the, and the shape and all that. They're going to have to do that. I'm just, they will expand and contract and bounce like they're supposed to, like they would in the real world. That's what I would do. Well, you do you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, some people say it's a niche thing, but, yeah. I don't think so. I think it has wide-ranging, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, the next thing is, I can't remember if we even talked about this last time. I left it on here or not. But Crom's Anvil, which is a 15-millimeter skirmish game. I, okay, I guess we'll talk about it. I It's, it's sort of like a, with some RPG elements as well. I just thought it was really neat because it's 15-millimeter, so you, you know, it's just a handful of guys, literally, They'll all fit in your hand. Oh, yeah, as I say, fifteen is <laughs> what? Yeah, that's like five eighths of an inch. Yeah, it's really small. I mean, it's like Flames of War. That's Flames of War scale and stuff like that. And usually with games like this, you're you're you have a base of guys. You know, there's like five, ten guys on one base, and you're moving that around as a unit. But these are all moving individually, and I think that's really neat. So. um and this is the guy. He makes the figures, and um, he—it's his rules too, you know. So you could just you could do that. And um, I thought like some of the um, the different uh, guys on it kind of look kind of neat. Of course, it seems to be very Conan, you know, mm-hmm. themed, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I've got some neat little uh, monsters and figures and stuff like that, and. Um, I thought, like, the weirdest thing out of it was, like, there's a group of slaves that you you can get for storyline purposes. And they're, for the most part, naked. Although, okay, so their hands are chained, so they're covering up the, 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 the naughty bits. So, I don't, again, I don't know how you would sculpt 15-millimeter gen, scale genitalia, but... There are 15 millimeter scale boobs on here, mm-hmm. so I would love to talk to a guy like that. How does that work? How do you? Yeah, just like okay, this that looks good enough. Just put that on there. There you go. Oh, there's a nipple, and yeah, here you go. <laughs> and one of them actually, for whatever reason, is apparently like a very hairy dude. Like he has a pelt on his chest apparently, and the the picture you'll see this at chancegaming.com in the show notes. Um, he is a red-haired gentleman with this huge red-haired chest hair, and that's how the guy decided to sculpt this. But anyway, so there you go. Which reminds me, I forget that people actually listen to this show, that it's not just me just talking to just the air. I'm just having a conversation with Roy. It just happens to be recorded for Prosperity State. And I get these these things on Twitter, these messages or whatever, like, hey, you linked uh, this on your last show from that I said that I did, and what were you talking about with that? I can't find it in the show. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I say? It always takes me out. I'm like, oh, my God, you, you listen. Hold on. I, I didn't realize people did that. Anyway. 
So moving on to the uh, the next thing is uh, the Players A blog did a pretty cool interview with Sean Drulinger, designer of Lock and Load Tactical Point Blank from Lock and Load Publishing. And uh, I'm not gonna just you know go over it. You can read it, you know, and it'll be just interesting. I like you see kind of like these newer guys that you haven't heard much of involved in wargaming it, to me it's really neat to get their perspective on like where they came from and uh yeah and their design theory and whatnot it's a nice short little interview and i'll have post in the show notes just take a read you know <laughs> lock and load's another one i own a couple of games for and they're just sitting around not getting played I tell you roy i've been disillusioned as of late you know, I've got a big stack of games, board games. I got an even bigger pile of miniatures and stuff like that, and I never play. And I, I really think it's kind of a, um, a, I can't find anybody to play. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or you know, maybe I can. You know, but I can't find anybody to play like regularly. It's like you know, they'll want to play whatever they want to play. You know, for three or four times mm-hmm. and then they'll kind of begrudgingly or maybe at, with interest come play something that you know i'm i'm into so i kind of took to the internet and started looking around at tabletop simulator and there is a lot of stuff on tabletop simulator uh for you to play it's it's available on steam and you just go into the little workshop section and uh take a look at that and there's they ported over all these these games and uh there were a lot of gmt games a lot of these you know war games that i own and or want to play and uh so i started looking around for like opponents on that Mm -hmm. and eh, i can't find those either it's it's very disheartening uh like richard talked about fields of fire he was really interested in playing gmt's fields of fire well it's on tabletop simulator so Mm -hmm. i'm like well maybe we can get together and play at some point. I don't know. I think when I am, you know, we're, we're done in this area, the last kids out of the house, I think one of, you know, I'm going to look for a place that not only has like a job I can get, but you know, it, it's got to have like a really strong tabletop, um, thing, uh, like a really strong, what do you say? Community. Mm-hmm is what I want. Something diverse. Because, I mean, I love what Richard has. They have a whole freaking war game group. You know, they drink whiskey and play games at least once a month. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, really dig that. Um, I think right now I'm looking at Charlotte, because we kind of want to live in North Carolina. But And for my career, uh, my skill set seems to be that seem is the place to go. Have you, uh, have you looked at meetup.com? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We yeah, I've got that. Um I've I think I've pretty much exhausted like everything like that. <clears throat> in really? my area, there are a lot of board gamers, but they're like the regular guys. Mm-hmm. They just want to play the regular board games. So which you, is great. You're looking for crunchy ASL kind of stuff then. Yeah, well just war games in general, hex okay. encounter stuff. Uh-huh. And I, I honestly think the reason why is it seems to be most people want to do like a multiplayer thing where mm-hmm. there's like four or six or eight of us. We all sit down and we all play this game. Whereas war gamers, nine times out of 10 are just one versus one, 
you know, there's just two people sitting down and playing for like two hours. Right. So, yep. I guess. I guess that's the thing. And of course, my problem with miniatures has has always been there, and I, I know this. It's usually what I want to play isn't like the popular thing. So all these guys are playing like 40k Age of Sigmar X-wing, and they have no time or interest to play anything else. You know, what? or money money to buy into another system. What now? Hang on. What about the the game that you were uh, at your FLGS? were trying to get people involved in. Was it Bolt Action, Flames of War? Bolt, uh, yes. Okay. We did get uh, Flames of War has a pretty small group okay. locally. I am trying this year though. This will be the year that I'm going to try um, for Bolt Action. Okay. That must have been Flames of War then. Yeah, yeah. It was Flames of War that we it it came. When they lost the new edition, I mean, it went like gangbusters. Everybody bought in. But honestly, I would put it on the company Battlefront uh, for being a problem. The problem was um, they didn't do... Their release schedule sucked, frankly, Mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. So all these guys that wanted to play, like, Russians or just anything really competitively using the new figures mm-hmm. that, that that were coming out they were doing plastics instead of the old resin ones they had and um they just kept having all these problems delayed in production so it kind of died because these guys got tired of waiting to get new units to actually be able to play competitively no. okay and what sucks is man i it's like i keep telling them i'm like the stuff you want is still available not only on the secondary market, dirt cheap, but you can get it directly from the company. It's just in metal mm-hmm. and resin, and it's not the new plastics. So, I mean, I don't understand why you have to wait on the new stuff. It's 15 millimeter. You're not going to be able to tell the difference unless you pick it up. And, you know, oh, this one's lighter, this one's heavier. That's mm-hmm. it. Ugh. Anyway, so, so that was that. Uh, on to actual news, and I guess before that, since we're like the number one podcast for, um, uh, what is it, uh, industry gossip, there's been a lot of shenanigans lately with the miniatures page. I don't know if you're familiar with the miniatures page at all, Roy. I've, I've seen it, but I don't know what you're speaking about. Yeah, I mean, I've post, uh, you know, a couple links, you know, here and there. I mean, I get news from there kind of regularly, or at least I look for it. The miniature page is kind of, it, it was, this was, is this big place for mainly historical games. Okay. I, I would say. And of the miniature variety. And um, it... Honestly, the the web design is pretty bad, pretty dated. It looks like it could have been like a on a tri posted on tripod. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's really old for you kids in the back. Um, but I mean, I get things like just looking at there now, and uh, I'll post this in the show notes. Here's some um from Eureka Games um. Nude Slinger. Nude Amazon Slingers. <laughs> so, you know, it's... I'll give them that, as they do get all these, like, little weird, you know, news on companies. I don't know where else I would ever see what is fairly sculpted. I wouldn't say good. 
uh, 25 millimeter Amazons that are naked and they have slings. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It's there. Yeah, there's boobs, there's butt, there's air. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you know they're kind of useful for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's it's a very conservative crowd that not only posts on there mostly, but uh, they also the guy that runs it, the editor Bill. Okay. And uh, what had happened was he got into a tiff recently with um the people from Two Fat Lardies, which is a group of um rural guys over in England. Mm-hmm. Everybody freaking loves them, you know, for for approachable miniature games. Usually they're skirmish, usually they're you know, they're done pretty tight and everybody likes these guys. Apparently, uh one of the guys from Two Fat Lardies asked them to like, Hey, can you um stop being so negative with your polls? And it was literally like, you know, it has something to do with, like, a game or, or something like that. And it it had negative things that people could vote on. I hate this game because of whatever. And the guy got, Bill got mad about it. And apparently he's more of a libertarian sort. And again, very conservative, I would say, because it's that whole, I want to be able to say what I want to. And if you don't like it, just keep on scrolling. It's, it's that kind of attitude. If you find what I'm saying is offensive, just scroll right past it. Don't complain about it. You know, it's, it's that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, very conservative, very libertarian, you know, kind of thing. It's like, you know, hey, I'm not breaking any laws here, this, that, and the other. So the whole thing kind of escalated. Uh, he, the guy pulled his advertising. He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to advertise with you guys anymore because they went back and forth because mainly Bill got on there and was like, hey, this uh, I have been secretly contacted by a uh, advertiser, and he wants to censor this website. Ha ha ha! And I'm not gonna do that. And it kind of just degenerated from there, even to the point where all the members of TMP, and that just essentially means you have a log on. Mm-hmm. You can be you can be a supporting member and get extra whatever if you want. But if you just have a log on, like I do, I got an email that said, "Oh, you know, I, you know, I'm." having some uh issues you know with you know people and wanting to censor this website so please consider um you know message uh donating because you could be a donating member Mm -hmm. and um that that was kind of the thing and i was just like wow this i thought the whole thing was over and done with like you know weeks ago whenever it started but um yeah the actual email was like Thanks for being an active member. Our website is funded by advertising memberships, uh, blah, blah, blah. Just this month, a rule publisher, I won't mention the name, demanded that we remove a member's review of their rule set. I told them we couldn't do that, but that the company was welcome to respond in our forum and rebut the negative review. They chose not to post, but instead angrily condemned TMP for being full of negativity. Okay, and it goes on. Mm-hmm. None of that. None of that happened, you know, if I know, like, who he's talking about and that seems to be the thing and um it was the two flat lardies guys you know no no that didn't happen okay and um so it's just kind of degenerated you know this is just kind of the way it is and just i don't know it's weird to see and people are talking about well where else do we go you know because tmp is like a very very niche thing mm-hmm. like if you want to know what color socks 12th century Ottoman Turks were wearing, 
and who makes them in 10 millimeter, this is where you go. You will find it, oh, that's made by, you know, one guy makes it in his garage, and it's in here. Oh, oh by, the, by the way, the socks were chartreuse. You'll find that information there. So mm -hmm. I'll give them that. So as a replacement for that, most people seem to be kicking around, if you don't want to go to the TMP, if you consider it negative, um, is the Lead Adventure Forum. And uh, I kind of like it. It's it's more pulp type stuff, but you can still get those kind of questions asked, mm -hmm. answered. Sorry, but anyway. Anyway, that's enough internet gossip for today. Um, but at least you got some new Amazon slingers out of it. There you go. <laughs> All right, Roy, tell me about... You sent me this link and um, texted to me the other day, and I could not believe this, that this freaking... Uh, uh, this thing okay. even existed, so explain it to me. Well, let me spin you a story of an early internet developer. This guy was in the, uh, he was the pioneer of the TCP IP protocol, like file transfer thing in the internet. So the, the, in the internet, the, um, um, the, the architecture of the internet was developed by this guy. And he went to Stanford, and then he started working for Microsoft. Um, and he was such a mover and shaker amongst Microsoft and the Internet in general that uh, he retired very well. And so his name is Daryl Rubin. In the 1970s, he was a member of a Stanford Research Institute team that developed the technology underlying TCP IP protocol. So I tell you all this because this guy was loaded, and then he died. So he had an estate in Seattle, and he had a um, in his home he had a one million dollar board game collection. Um, so what do we do with all these board games? And they're all like, or a lot of them are um, hard to find, uh, rare games. And there was a uh, there's a chess set, and you can see pictures of it here, um, carved from mammoth ivory. Twenty seven thousand dollar chess set carved from hardwood ebony and twenty thousand year old mammoth ivory. Um, and so, oh, okay, I, I gotta say, Roy, looking at that with my trained eye, I there's no way in hell I could tell you that that was real or versus one he got it like you know fred's oh yeah because it, it doesn't look like anything fancy there's not a texture or anything it's just no. ivory you know huh. and so one of the questions that i ran across in the in the article was that uh the united states has had an embargo on the sales of elephant ivory, ivory. yeah um but this is mammoth ivory it gets around that um so it can be sold and so there's a company in um, oh, good grief, where is it? Someplace on the East Coast, Wilmington, Delaware, um, that won the rights to consign all of these games. So they, they, they boxed up all, this guy had, a, had a, um, an estate in Seattle. They filled a, uh, a tractor trailer just as full as they could get it, and they trucked it across the United States full of board games, full of cardboard, essentially, um, and mammoth ivory, I guess, uh, to Wilmington, Delaware. And this, all these games are sitting in this warehouse in Delaware, uh, with, uh, 
and they've contracted people to go through them and and kind of set a price for them. And so can you imagine one million dollars worth of old Avalon Hill and um, like the 3M games and all these these old vintage games um, are uh, about to be consigned? It is interesting looking at it, and I would encourage you, you know, you can look at this, the news, the news article in the show notes, but the news article actually gives a link to the website for Cape Fear Games where you can actually look at, um, you know, uh, the, the actual estate games. And, uh, well, shit. Oh, wow. I Sorry, I didn't, I, I didn't well, notice that part. I'm not sure if I'm reading this correctly. It does say estate collection, and it says a beautiful assortment of games throughout modern history. Blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 da. I mean, I. Yeah, I think what I'm looking at here is stuff from his collection. All right, so it's interesting to me that he has. I mean, yeah, all the old Avalon stuff it, is fantastic, but he's got like regular stuff in here. There's uh, an old 40K Chaos Dreadnought. There's a copy of Command and Colors Ancients. Uh, there's AT43 stuff in here, which was a really cool sci-fi game I loved. Uh, there's D&D Miniatures, uh, the old ones. There's uh, Legos. You yeah. Know? So it's so some of the Lego stuff is still sealed, and it's like yeah. stuff from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. So There's vid- video games? Yeah, all kinds of shit. Yeah. So anyway, it's you think he actually played it or was he like me? Was he like me, Roy, and just had like a million dollars? You know, and I would imagine he played with some of it. I mean, why why else would you you collect it? I don't know why I do, Roy. I don't. <laughs> you know, just looking at the the picture on the newspaper article, I see like War Galley from GMT. I see he has three copies of Stratego Legends for some reason. Uh, there was another one I recognized. Uh, yeah, there's 1859 from GMT. So yeah, I hope he does. You know, I hope he had a. I don't know, Roy. If I had that kind of money, I could buy friends. I could literally fly people out to you know thing. That would be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. You would be a freelance friend, where uh you know you have to fly into town and you know play games with me for you know eight hours and then you fly back. Yeah, for for a day rate of whatever you know. <laughs> so I yeah I hope he has. There friends. is all kinds of stuff in here. There's a there's Mech Warrior clicky base figures. Yep. He said 80s through the 90s. I think he was getting stuff in the 2000s too. Looking at some of this, I don't know. This is just really neat. And yeah. This is like what would happen with me if I was you know super rich. Uh, but yeah, I see Panzer Leader. He's got up front is in there. Uh, squad Leader is laying out there. You know, wow, it's just really neat. Dude has some cash, and he just died. Just Mm-hmm. And I guess it, it reminds me of when Robin Williams died. He not only collected uh, toys and statues. And he was a 40K player. Stuff. Yeah. He had some of that stuff in there, too. And I remember, like, his daughter, Zelda, taking to Twitter and asking people, like, hey, what is this? What is that? And it was, like, uh, 40K uh, Titans and, and stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. Really cool. So, anyway. All right. That was a cool story. Yeah, absolutely. So the next thing we had, um, you can now get themed damage decks for X-Wing. Like if you want the Rebel Alliance, the Empire, or, you know, all of them. All, or, you know, you have your own. I think 
for what you mostly had to do was um, you get the the tiny little cards that came with your starter. And then I remember when second edition launched, as part of the launch pack, like if you bought it, uh, they gave you these full-size decks. And these were like a special promo kind of thing. And I remember my store didn't get them for like two or three months because the distributor where they got their stuff from was robbed and all of them were stolen. Oh. Like breaking and entering, you know, just I can imagine some neckbeard guy zipping down a line like Tom Cruise <laughs> and snatching up these damage decks and, and being pulled he, out. He's humming Mission Impossible to himself. Right, right. You know, honestly, like I, geek crime fascinates me. And I really think, like, this is a really free, you know, $10 idea for somebody listening out there to do a true crime podcast just based on, like, geeky stuff. Like, uh, breaking and entering of shops, you know, that happens all the time. Uh, magic collections getting stolen, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is just really interesting to me. You can even go so far as... You know, uh, people say with Gary Gygax, you know, Gary stole this idea from me, or that guy stole, you know, Gary stole it from that guy. That kind of thing, I think, would be really neat, because, you know, those stories are out there. I think we covered, uh, the last breaking and entering thing we covered, the guy was so dumb, he, like, came in uh, and, like, cut himself on something, and so he then, like, gets a, and this is all on camera, he gets a uh, t- paper towels and he cleans up the blood and throws it in the trash can. And he, he's starting to rob the place. And then he realizes, well, he just left his DNA in the trash can. So not only does he steal the magic cards, he steals the trash can and stuff too. <laughs> you know. But yes, it's just ridiculous. You know, I, I don't know what goes through. I guess you know, the dollar the dollar amount is is attractive, but I don't know where you would sell it if you're stealing it from your local store. Right. Well, you know. It, I guess what comes to mind immediately is 40k stuff. So like if 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 I were to to break into my FLGS, I'd go for the 40k stuff because I can turn that around on eBay. Pretty pretty cheap. That, that yeah, that is true. Anything that is I guess sealed like that, this new product, you could probably get away with. But that's the thing is your profit margin isn't going to be that high whereas if you're stealing like vintage magic stuff you know you're grabbing cards that are a thousand dollars a piece mm-hmm. you know you you grab 50 of those you got a lot of money battle toads yeah yeah battle toads <laughs> oh, but you run into the problem of like where where do i get rid of this i guess you would have to sit on it forever and then like fly out to some to like gen con or something two years later and you know kind of unload there mm-hmm. i mean it, it's possible but i just don't think it's a quick turnaround and of course you always and the longer you hold it the longer you have a chance of getting caught because like my local store has got cameras everywhere so, I mean, I know everything is just glass in there, but they're going to have you on video, mm-hmm. like, you know, you stealing it. Because, I mean, oh, yeah, and the other thing is they don't leave, they have, like, high-dollar binders. They don't leave them in the store. Oh. They, they they go home with the owner, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. What people, why do people do the things they do, Roy? Wow. Why are they not nicer? <laughs> I, 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 I wish I knew. I wish more people uh, were like me. Yes, be nice. All right, and uh, it, on that note of being nice, <laughs> I had to look this up because I didn't know who this dude was. Cause I was oh, like, I've heard of this really guy. 
uh, okay, it was this is the Tingleverse. The official Chuck Tingle role-playing game is now available. And I was like, okay, it has a really weird cover. Like, you know, this raptor guy, and there's tentacles, and there's Bigfoot. And I'm like, what is this? So I look up, like, Chuck Tingle, and, okay, yeah, don't look at yeah, my work. You, sh- you should be fine. That's a rabbit hole uh, depravity right there. <laughs> He makes, like, this sort of, like, essentially erotic, weird erotica, uh, like Bigfoot erotica and, like, raptor erotica and, and stuff. Um, uh, something like um, raptors in space. Uh, a space raptor butt invasion was one of his. Um Pounded in the butt by Area 51 while attempting to storm it. Um, heavy metal unicorn lawyer sings into my butthole legally. Uh, that's I swear to you. That's that's yes. That that is an honest uh, title. I'm I, not making that. I up. can corroborate that. I, I'm not a fan, by the way. I'm, but I've I've, so, I've heard of Chuck Tingle before. So, but yeah, this is just fantastic to me that not only is this stuff. Like it exists, and you can buy it on Amazon, and that it's so ridiculous that somebody has made a um, a role playing game of it. So now what I want to do is get uh, my friend that has the For Realsies podcast, get him to do a a, a, a actual play of this because <laughs> he knows who Chuck Single is. He laughed his ass off when I sent him the link to this. Um, do this like with a group of people in fact do it like with like other like science professionals or or something like that you know get uh whoever famous science people are is neil degrasse tyson still a thing get him on that and maybe some other i don't know these these people on there and and do a chuck tingle role play i think it would be fantastic i i will not be listening to that i'm good i'm good uh, okay, what kills me is like you can be. There are four playable types: Bigfoot, dinosaur, human, and unicorn. Uh, there are five trots. You could be a bad boy charmer, a sneak, a true buckaroo, and a wizard. And several unique ways. There's hundreds of cool moves that are specially crafted for each unique play style. There are 270 pages, various um, monsters and and whatnot, and uh, yeah. I, you know, I kind of wonder, like, will, will this, like, be collectible in the future? It might be. I, I could see that happening. Let's I don't see. Know. Uh, I do know it's, it's like, 1991 on um, Amazon. So it's 20 bucks now, and that is at a discount of 9%. So, yeah, I think this, this could be a thing. So I'm going to plug another podcast here. Sure. There's a podcast called Citation Needed where their tagline is we take a page from from uh, Wikipedia and somebody becomes an expert on it because it's the internet and that's how it works now. Okay. And so this there was one particular episode of Citation Needed where they kind of they laid out the whole Chuck Tingle thing um, through and through and kind of explained like is it a joke? Is it not a joke? You know, was it originally a joke and now it isn't, or or vice versa? So anyway, um, yeah. If if you want to get the lowdown without having to actually read any Chuck Tingle, uh, check out that podcast. 
I think maybe it was a joke that has like become uh, its own thing at this point. Yeah, I think so. That yeah, it, it's taken on a life of its own, and uh, yeah, which is I guess okay. That's good. You know, hey, you make that money ever how you want to. Look, somebody's gonna come along here and like want to you know patent Ghostberg or something, and yeah, I'll be like, yes, I'm gonna laugh all the way to the bank. So, uh, or no, 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 what was the first one? Uh, the one we just invented tonight, it was, um... Oh, uh, Gunship Revolution? Yeah, Gunship Revolution. Somebody wants to take that character, yeah, and go from there. Of course, they'd have to, you know, me and the uh, the actual production company will fight it out, but I'll win, and yeah, I'll laugh all the way to the back. <laughs> so, moving on, Monty Cook Games, this is the, uh, the the guy that does Numeria, Ninth World, The Strange, all that good stuff. All the really kind of good, weird stuff has put out a um, a thing. Uh, I think it's, is it just a PDF? Let's take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's just a PDF, and it's free to download, and it's called Consent in Gaming, which, I don't know, uh, one of my favorite... Uh, subreddits to read is RPG Horror Stories. Are you familiar with that one? Roy? No, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's 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 on Reddit. It's a subreddit called RPG Horror Stories. And I think this consent in gaming is absolutely needed after spending some time on that subreddit. Because it's always these people that are on there and they're like, oh, you know, it's like, let me tell you about this session or this group I was a part of. And nine times out of ten, they're sexual and creepy and, you know, just, ugh, gross. You know, these awful neckbeards that are coming on here and they're like, well, you know, I'm role-playing. My character is truly evil, so he would rape the barmaid. You know, it's like, geez louise, man. Mm. Uh, yeah, anyway, so for all the people that said, like, no, this this uh, this thing was not needed. This is dumb. This is social justice warrior, whatever. No, spend some time on that subreddit. This thing is absolutely needed. Some people need it, for sure. Although the people that need it probably won't use it uh, anyway. You know, honestly, I th I think I if I actually role-played, let's just leave sex and romance out of it. I'm just more of kind of a, can, can I kill the monster and get some loot? But mm -hmm. I don't role-play, so maybe that's not me. <laughs> maybe that's not like what it is. Maybe you that's like a thing where you try to romance, you know, people and yeah whatever anyway uh the next thing we had oh yeah after the empire is back up on kickstarter gray fox games <laughs> when this their game was funded last time they did this they canceled it because they weren't getting enough money i guess and with nine days to go they're up to $89,000. They needed 30. But yeah, they they pulled it last time and I think it ended at, at like 60,000 is what it was. And apparently, although it was funded, that wasn't enough. I don't know. And um uh, so they're back. And uh, here you go. So if you really want to Yeah. Why didn't they just set it up for 60,000 then? Right. I I don't know. I I I'm just I'm throwing numbers out of my ass. Okay. I, I'm honestly I'm honestly not sure like what the numbers were last time. It wasn't enough apparently, and I don't know if that was not necessarily I guess on the total for the Kickstarter, but it could be the individual pricing wasn't enough. 
And so they, but it, I don't, still don't understand like how they had to scrap the whole thing and just start over. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you're gonna buy a Kickstarter version of this game, and I'm not real sure what kind of game it is, maybe worker placement. I don't know. It said tower defense. Tower defense. Okay, that's that's just like worker placement. Uh, yeah. Same thing. I suppose. Um, it's eighty five bucks. You know, and this is from uh, Gray Fox Games, so it's coming to retail. So if $85 is the MSRP on it, you know, Miniature Market's going to have it for probably closer to 50 So, oh, it is, it is. It says, After the Empire is a tower defense and worker placement game. Ha-ha! Oh, all right. For two to four players. And after the Empire, you'll be recruiting refugees, gathering resources, and fortifying your defenses in order to prepare for assault after assault of invaders seeking to sack your castle and take its riches. Okay. Yeah, doesn't sound like a fun place. I mean, the the, the pieces are kind of neat. The fact that, you know, it's got this, this castle. But, oh, yeah, you do get the castle at 85 bucks. You get uh, two full castles. Looks like, you know, you could use them for smaller scale gaming if you wanted. But, um, you know, I honestly think they drive the price up on a lot of these Kickstarter board games by doing miniatures. Now, granted, these are single-cast miniatures, so that keeps it cheap. But I just don't... I don't really care about miniatures in my board game unless it's like a dungeon crawl. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't care about some big, nice, elaborate, you know, figure that's just going to slide around on a board, you know. Uh, Seems like they could save money that way. But... They don't ask me. So it's back. I don't know why. And uh, I don't know why they pulled it. But, uh, yeah, they wanted more money, and that's why it's back. But, anyway. Okay. The, the next thing is uh, Kings of War, the RPG, is up on Kickstarter. Uh, again, you know, I, I'm kind of like, why doesn't Mantic Games have enough money to just do this? I mean, you're just printing a book. You print books anyway, because you're printing that new Kings of War uh rule book is coming out from the miniature game why do you need to kickstart this i mean you want to you need you wanted 18 grand at it's got 13 hours left to go so by the time you hear this it'll be over and funded fully funded because right now they're up to 26 grand mm-hmm. i don't know it's and look i'll tell you this uh slip covers they just can never get those right on kickstarter everything i've ever kickstarted role-playing game-wise, um, has had a damaged slipcover. Every single one. For whatever reason and how they ship it. So, yeah, I don't know why that's like a... People want it. They're like, ooh, I gotta have a slipcover. Because it's gonna arrive busted every time. <laughs> I don't know. Just my experience. See, I'm... When I back these things, they're either like some weird thing, like we're fixing to hit after this one, or it's like, well, we're translating this German RPG for the first time in English, you know, and so we need some money, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like the biggest RPG in the world, but it's not that's not in English. So I get that. But I just think Mantic Games should have the money to do it. Because, you know, you look at them, they just did the Hellboy um, miniature game. Mm-hmm. They didn't kickstart that, I don't think. And I, I usually with something like that, I think it's because you know uh, they wouldn't get the license otherwise. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Which reminds me, I watched the new Hellboy. 
Okay. With uh, have you seen it? No, with uh, um, the dude from Stranger Things. <laughs> yes, and dude, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why does he sound like the Hawkins police chief? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he kind of looks like this David, whatever his name is. Um, and uh, yeah, at the end of it, I'm like, oh, that is him. Uh, anyway, I think I'm the only person in the world that actually liked that. Oh, all right. I did. I I liked the new Hellboy. I did. Absolutely loved it. Uh, even though like the prosthetic looked kind of cheap, you know. Um, and yeah, that's about my only complaint complaint with it. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. it. I thought it was cool, and you should watch it. So oh, there you go. All right. Uh, and last thing we have is, like I said, this is the kind of thing I would back is when I see weird uh, RPGs on Kickstarter. This is Rod, Reel, and Fist. A uh, Kickstarter, a uh, an RPG up there on uh, the Kickstarters. And this, I, you know, you're going to get me when it's about fishing, kung fu, and apparently it, yeah, something anime related because there's a girl on there and there's a guy kicking in the back and um says we open with a tragedy your brother is in a coma or your mother has fallen sick or the well that supports the village will only give black ichor when the bucket is lowered and the drought has been going on for months the point is something has gone wrong and it's not within your power to fix or it's not within your mortal power to fix so you need to go and get this fish that has to power to reverse this whatever is wrong. This is very anime, very Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're going to go on a little role-playing adventure to go get this fish. I mean, look at the artwork. I just love that. It's uh, the nice girls being attacked by an alligator in a bush. Mm-hmm. And it just looks she lost her straw hat. It looks great. This looks like, yeah, you're a fisher. And, yeah, this looks pretty cool. It's a mix of storytelling and simple, though technical, combat. Suitable for gamers of all ages. So, yeah. Uh, Apparently it's PDF only for now. What? I just, I don't know. This is not not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. It works cool. But (laughs) for a role-playing game, not not for me. (laughs) Let's see. uh, What does it cost to actually buy in? Um... You get the PDF. You get the PDF for ten bucks. So they only wanted six hundred dollars. Oh yeah, I, I love that. You can honestly tell this is an indie thing because they're like, "Look, I'm broke as hell. I've never even seen six hundred dollars in one place, <laughs> and I really want to make this. So just give me six hundred dollars, and I'll get you this awesome anime weird fishing RPG." So there you go. So Richard Kelly, the creator, is a freelance writer and designer of games like The Don Line and Firefighter Sharks in Space. <laughs> okay, that that might be more up your up your speed. Um, well, maybe. Firefighter yeah. sharks in space. And you know, it's always weird to me, and we talk about this all the time. You know, there's there's kickstarters we want to see succeed that don't, ones that we want to see fail that don't, and I just I do not understand the rhyme or reason when it comes to kickstarters and what makes people go hell yes I'm backing that you know. I mean, which something cheap and w- weird like this, I guess that's that's a good combo, is you know you're able to you you get into it pretty cheap, you know it's, it's ten bucks and maybe you'll run a one shot of it or something at one point, 
Or, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to replace Dungeons & Dragons, but, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. This is this is your case of beer. Yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, I, got, I need to do that case of beer thing. I don't, I don't know how that works. I guess it, well, what would you get? Like, I write you a haiku every, every, for each beer that I drink, you'll get a haiku <laughs> or something. I gotta come up with that. Yeah. And see, it, might, it will only work, though, if it gets, like, some stupid press. Or I think it would just, anyway, because it would be like a, it would be like a Kickstarter for, like, $25, literally. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, uh, what is it? Kickstarter's gonna take 20% of that. So they're gonna take five bucks. Okay. So I would I would only actually get twenty bucks. So you uh, you put up a Kickstarter for to buy you a case of beer, and then you drink it on like one after the other, and put that on YouTube and or put you know you get the exclusive video of, of Adam drinking your case of beer that you bought. Yeah, yeah, that would have to be it. It would have to be each person, and I would just like have your just give me like some information about you, like your name, uh, you know age and like all that kind of stuff and i'll just make up stories about you Mm -hmm. as as it goes per each one beer of course i can't drink 24 in a row but well you and your uh um your your famous relative will play beer pong with the case of beer and or or, well you know it, it could be like a series of things like okay I'll do like six tonight or twelve tonight, and do the other twelve then. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Got to work on this. All right, come out. You know, as a, as a protest of how stupid Kickstarter is, this is I'm asking you. I, I'm doing just what all the game companies do. I am asking you to purchase for me something that I can easily purchase myself, and you have to decide after I have your money whether or not you got a good value for it or not. You know, because I mean that's basically it. Because you have no recourse if you don't. If I never ever produce the videos or anything, if I never mention your name again, you have no recourse because that's how dumb Kickstarter is. And so, but hey, thanks for your cash. I know, right, sucker? Um, it does remind me, my very first Kickstarter I ever backed still hasn't shipped, and every now and then I actually kind of go back. And, and look and see what's going on. It was really bad last year, and then people kept threatening to sue him. And uh, I don't think he's had an update in forever. It, it was Shattered Void, the sci-fi dog-fighting tabletop war game. It was supposed to be delivered in December of 2016. Oh. So we, we are coming up on... Um, yeah, my last update was in July. At least, at least you got then. And... Um, yeah, so there you go. So something happened. Okay, now he's he's in the hospital. That was six days ago. He ended up in the hospital, quite ill. Grabs pictures. Yeah, I mean, I could like do a whole documentary on like his excuses throughout the whole thing. You know, he got married and then he had a kid and then he changed jobs. My favorite was he couldn't cast any resin um, figures because it's it's hot. it was hot in Britain in the summer. So okay. <laughs> So anyway, all right, that's the end of the show. It's It was a short one, it's a sweet one, I don't know, probably about an hour and a half, something like that. And uh, yeah, it's the Roy and Adam show, where we mm-hmm. spent an hour and a half talking about Richard, because he wasn't here. Well, so and that I am going to plug for Richard here, because I see on our little document here, it's the STL Wargamers, their meeting is on September 21st, which I think is at, um, uh, what's the what's the game store? Down there. Oh, miniature, miniature market. market. Yeah. Yeah. So 
<laughs> go to that and, and tell Rich that he's a punk for not not recording. I know. Bring him some Ludens, please. <laughs> Somebody bring him some Ludens and uh, send me a picture of it. He needs Ludens cough drops because his he can't talk. His his throat is poorly. He needs Luden cough drops. That's what he needs. So, you know those ones that are basically just candy. Bring him those. Yeah. Old men like candy, so he'll love it either way. <laughs> so there you go. Zing. Yeah. All right, so we'll say goodnight, and I'll fix the first episode, or I'll look and see if it's a problem and fix it if I can. And there you have two episodes, so good night. Good night, everybody.